heat it. It's, it's time to hear the word of God. And, and this morning, it's my, it's my singular honor and privilege to welcome the father of the house, our papa, our father, <laughs> Uncle Buju, as he brings us the word of God. You can do it better for him. Uncle Batman asked us earlier on, please check the sound. The sound is not correct today at all. Please work on it very quickly. Uncle Batman asked us earlier on that, why are we fasting? What's wrong with us? Ah. Looks like we have a bunch of old men and women in this house. Are we teenagers? Are we sure? Teenagers are not quite like this. Teenagers don't need to be wound to get excited. You are excited by yourselves. But this morning you are like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't use any words. You know, when, when Uncle Bertman was speaking, he made a few points. And you see, sometimes this is we hear it and we just, we just hear it as if it's one of those things. He was describing to us how he'd not been feeling too well during the week. How many of us were sick during the week? Okay, a few of us. If you were sick during the week, you appreciate better what he was talking about. Some of you may have lost appetite. You want to eat, you see the food you like, pa, bachale, saliva, go on the camp. You just don't feel like eating me while you are hungry. Then you remember to thank God for good health. Don't wait to be sick to thank God for good health. Don't do things gradually like we were saying. I went through some emotional something this week, it's, and it's not gone. And it became difficult to even pray or praise God. Even throughout the service, I've been struggling. It was during the tithe and offering, the tithe that I felt a little release. And I was even asking myself, can I even preach? And then I remembered Uncle Bertman's uh, word. We, don't, we shouldn't do things because of... I still don't like the sound. That's not, we don't do things because of how we feel. We don't do it gradually. But we should do it because it is right to do. When I was a young Christian, I was taught something about faith. In those days, it was a very common analogy. It, it, they used um, the, the, the train. Those, those days, we had uh, what you call these um, coal trains. 
And every train has something similar. We have the engine and then we have the body of the train. The, the, or if, if you take articulators, you know, articulator, you have the, the head, which is the, the real track. That's where the engine is, that's where the powerhouse is. Up the rest, the rest of the bog that follows the articulator is, is nothing. It just, it's just being dragged along by the power in the head. And we're told that faith is like that. Faith is like the engine. The articulator uh, body cannot move by itself. But as faith drives, as, as faith, as, as how the head drives the articulator body, in the same way where we take steps of faith, where we hold on to what the Bible says, when we believe the scriptures, and we act on the scriptures and believe it with all our heart. Our feelings, the excitement, things that we need to do, things that we need to feel, things that we need to experience, they follow us naturally. So I don't know how you're feeling this morning and because of which you don't want to feel free. The sound is still... And because of that, you, 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 you are like, boom. It's like you, you are waiting for somebody to, 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 to come and lift you up. Lift yourself up. If I'm lifting myself up, you must lift yourself up. Is someone hearing me? Your mom annoyed you this morning. Lift yourself up. The trusty driver annoyed you this morning. Lift yourself up. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Encourage yourself. Don't wait for anybody to encourage you. You have the Holy Spirit. When I was thinking about my own feelings this morning, the Spirit of God led me to a certain portion of Scripture. And I began to understand the mindset of Jesus. I'm still struggling, please. We know about John the Baptist. Bible says he was a forerunner for Jesus. Thank you. He was a forerunner for Jesus. He was a first cousin of Jesus. And they were very close. Both by blood relation and also by spiritual purpose and destiny. They had their own individual ministries on earth. Scripture tells us that at one time, John the Baptist himself was confused about his purpose and his ministry. That he sent some of his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you, are you the one that you have to expect or you should expect another one? After he had made some pronouncements about Jesus being the Messiah, being the Lamb of God. His cousin Jesus had at one time, his disciples came to tell him that your cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded. There to be some of us, including myself, will be sad for one week. My beloved cousin, my ministry partner, the person that gives me meaning to my own purpose and ministry, my steady mate, the one that encourages me and helps me to keep going on, 
the one that helps me to do right, has been killed just like that. Jesus did not do any of the things that I said we could possibly do. The Bible says, he went aside by himself. He had a destiny. He had a purpose. He had a focus. Death or no death. Failure or no failure. Sickness or no sickness. Child or no child. Business is doing well or not doing well. No matter what happens, I must fulfill my purpose on earth. He maintained his focus. Some of you, your friends, offend you a little. On sing again. Intercessors, where they can take themselves. I don't have to join intercessors to pray. I can pray on my own. Carry temple is not only church in this world. Purpose. This morning, like has been announced to us, I'm not sure I'll really preach, but I'll we'll, we'll chat. Because I want to introduce, I want to explode something that we shall be exploring a lot more. And we'll do a lot of this in smaller groups. We're talking about growth and discipleship. In fact, the two words are two big words by themselves. They are two big things by themselves, but they are very interrelated. So in this introduction, we'll keep mixing them. And then later on, we'll separate them, and then we'll see how they are interlinked. But I want you to join me to make some declarations, and let this be your heart. Even if you don't feel like doing it, let your heart do it. Remember what I said about Jesus Christ. He maintained his focus. I pray that Teen Chapel, no, what, no matter what happens to us, throughout our lives, not only when we remain in Teen Chapel, we'll maintain our focus. The purpose that Jesus called us to, the destiny that God has called us to live out, we'll walk that path for the rest of our lives. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. This is not a praise song. It's a declaration that you are making. It's a vow that you are making. And the Holy Spirit hears your words. And it will give you power to live it out. That is all discipleship is about. We're talking about spiritual growth. And we are saying that I want to follow Jesus. All the days of my life I want to follow you. And there's no turning back. There's surely no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, 
the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go with me, I will fall No turning back No turning back Will you decide to To follow Jesus Will you decide to To follow Jesus Will you decide to To follow Jesus no turning back, no turning back. I have decided, shout out to the faith, to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Heavenly Father, though we don't understand everything about following you, but we make up our mind, we make a decision to follow you all the days of our lives. Give us grace to understand what it means to follow you. May we count the cost. May we think through what it means to follow you. And may we willingly decide that we're going to follow you all the days of our lives. So help us God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Take a seat. I pray that as we go through this series, your mind will be open to understand what it means to be a Christian. Those of us who were in church, I think, two or three weeks ago, I mentioned to you that this series is going to be a spiritual revolution. If you allow God, he, he will open you up. He will open you up to the spiritual realm. You open you up to the reality of his word. You open you up to the power and the wisdom of the cross. He will open you up to see the blessings galore that come with following Jesus. He will open you up to see the pain that you have to go through. The sacrifice that you need to make. And you will be willing to make it. Christianity is not just all about uh, give me, give me, take it, take it. No. There's a place for that. There's a time for that. And there's a time also to lay down your life. You remember when we started talking about living for others. Your life is not your own. It's no longer your own. 
Jesus taught us how to do it by laying down his own life. And he says, just as how he laid down his life, we must be willing to lay down our lives, especially for the brethren. And we must be willing to lay down our lives that somebody may enter heaven. It's a tall order. But it's a good life. And that is a real life. When I was a young boy in the university, not knowing my left from my right, there was something we had which still goes on in the university called missions. Um, every four years, there's a special program. It's like a special crusade where the Christian community tries to reach out to the university community to make sure that everybody who passes through the university at least hears the message of Christ, the fullness of the message of Christ at least once in his life, that he has no excuse for not making a decision for Jesus. And I remember when I was in the university my second year, that was when um, this crusade happened to happen in my, in my time when I was in the university. And they improvised some very, I mean, some very unique way of advertising with a lot of prayer. This has become very common in the, in the media. You know, you, you see at a bank, uh, what this space, you know, uh, is coming soon, watch out. And it was with a lot of prayer. And for all, me, I wasn't a Christian. Now that I, I'm a Christian, I understand what went in. But anytime you're passing, and you see, if I started by just blank, just blank, you no know, banners all over the place, ah, what is happening? Nobody puts blank banners out for about a week. And anytime you see the blank banner, you are drawn to the banner. And you're wondering, what is this? The very soon became, watch out. What is watch out? It's happening. Jesus is coming. One of the banners who stood out for me and who has become my motto for life. And that's why I live the way I live. And thank God for those who made such banners. And for people who prayed over such banners that people like me can have a changed life. I pray that the facilitators will have a spiritual banner that any time any youth looks at any of the facilitators, their lives are changed because of the prayer that has gone into your life to change other people. And this banner simply read, I am absolutely determined to follow Jesus. And it's become a motto for life. I remember on my wedding day when I was responding to the toast. For about five minutes, I quoted this, uh, this, uh, this phrase. And did I preach on it? Did I encourage on it? Whatever. Whatever I did, I don't know. But I challenged people with that verse. It's not a verse, I mean, that, that phrase. And I made a declaration that even in my marriage, I am absolutely determined to follow Jesus. I pray that that will be your Lord. You will not follow your friends when they are cheating in exams. You will not follow your friends when they are going for all those negative things on the internet. You will not follow your friends when they are giving in to their homos. There's a time and a place for everything. I pray that you'll be absolutely determined 
to follow Jesus all the days of your life. And may God give you grace. May he help you that when the time comes and you are ready, you will see into the spirit realm. You'll be so convinced about what it takes to be a child of God. You'll be so convinced about the blessings of God. You'll be so convinced about the miracles of God that nothing in this world will move you. Yesterday, just before I slept, I saw a viral post on social media. I was looking for the video. I, I searched for the video. I still couldn't find, I still can't find the video. So I read a lot of comments that people made, and uh, the comments were very varied. Some were condemning the statements, and others were saying that the, uh, the post had been taken out of context. It was about our controversial angel, Bishop Obini. The Papa. He's not a Papa. Don't miss our declarations. I didn't watch the video, so I cannot say he said. But it is alleged that he said. I don't know whether you've read the article. It's quite fresh. It came out yesterday night. He said. Jesus is not coming again. So eat, make money, and have fun. Uncle George, did you see the article? The way you're laughing, I thought you saw the article. You heard about it. Look, it is the biggest lie on this earth. If he really said it. Whether he said it or not, so many other people are saying similar things in different forms. And that is why I'm encouraging us. Don't follow the internet 100%. Not everything on the internet is true. Some actually coin up issues to push forward a particular agenda. And that is why we must be wise. And the only way we can be wise in the sight of God is to get into the Word. I would attempt to talk about three things this morning. I'll try and give us the definition for growth and also uh, discipleship. And then I'll say a few things about the new birth. And then I'll, I may say a few things about what it means for Christ to be formed in us. And then we'll come back to these things one after the other. This thing called growth. Biologists and sociologists tell us that anything that is not growing is dying. In another sense, anything that is growing will die at a stage. It's controversial, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't appear very logical. If you grow, you will die. If you don't grow, you are dying. 
But there's something about the first part that is relevant to us this morning and in this season. Growth is very, very important. Every human being must grow. I wonder how many of us want to be teenagers for the rest of our lives. A few people do. Some are shaking their heads. Because you don't want responsibility. You always want to refer to as a teenager. Or you want to refer to as a child. When they call you a child, you don't like that one too. You want to be a young adult. Oh, if I were a young adult, I want to grow up to become an adult. Why should I be a young adult? They should remove the young and then call me adult. Generally, everybody desires to grow. If you, are, if you have watched babies, by the, the time they turn two, going on three, they feel that they have grown. They want to act like they have grown. Even before that stage, when babies start crawling, they are eager to start walking. Because everyone is walking, why should I be crawling? And before long, you see them holding something, trying to stretch their legs, but their legs cannot, their, their legs cannot keep them. So when they let go, they, they go down. Then they get very frustrated. And they come back again. Please open it for me. Because they look at others who they see as grown and they want to be like them. In school, those of us who are not very sharp academically, we wish we were sharp. We want to grow academically. We wish we could also be on top of the class song. Why should we always be in the middle? Why should we be at the bottom? When parents give birth, and at a certain stage, when the children, the babies are expected to crawl, and they are not crawling, the parents become worried. When the baby grows and it's time to walk, one month passes, two months passes, three months passes, and your baby has still not walked, you are worried, very, very worried. God expects us to grow. We cannot remain babies for the rest of our lives. You see, sometimes you look at people like us. You look, you look at uh, Pastor Kuju. You look at Dr. Otabu. And you, you give them a certain respect and regard. Is that not it? Because of the stature of spirituality that you see in them. They were not always like that. We were not always like that. There was one time that they were also baby Christians. They asked all the silly questions like, like some of you do ask today. And there's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. But you should not remain a baby Christian. One year after knowing Christ, something must change in you. In fact, Paul, Paul writing to the Hebrews, at what they said, ah, you people, I don't understand you. By this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to come and teach you the fundamental doctrines of Christianity all over again. Teachable. Enough is enough. 
There's no need to confuse you. Go out and tell others about Jesus. There's no need to be telling you every day, pray, read your Bible, do your prayer time. If you have been in this church, if you have been a Christian for some time, you don't need anybody to remind you. It's because you're not growing. That's why you need to be reminded all the time. And when you're not growing, your leaders are concerned. When I am not growing, Pasakujo is concerned. If Pasakujo is not growing, uh, uh, Dr. Otabel is concerned. If Dr. Otabel is not growing, God is concerned. We cannot remain babies forever. We cannot remain at the same stage. We need to grow up. Everybody needs to grow. Say, I need to grow. You, you, and you should not, the worst is to be dying. Don't die. Live and grow. Something must change in you. John tells us in John 3, verse 3 to 8, a very popular passage where Nicodemus encountered Jesus and he asked him some questions that were a bother to him. Okay. My time is good, so I don't want to read. You can go and read it later on. It's a very popular passage. And in the discourse, I mean, Nicodemus got to a stage where he realized that, look, he has been a Jew for a long time. He followed Jehovah, but he realized that there was something that needed to take him from one level to another level because he saw something in Jesus and he knew that he hadn't reached the level. And then Jesus told him that he must be born again. Jesus, what are you talking about? Born again? At this age, should I go and enter my mother's womb and be born again? How does it happen? How is it possible? It's not possible. And then Jesus explained that he was not talking about physical things. He said, the wind blows where it lies. You don't see it. It blows and you see the effect. That is how it is like with spiritual things. That is how it is like with the spiritual birth. When you are born again, you don't enter your mother's womb. You are not born physically again. You are born spiritually again. And the only way that you can be born again is by hearing the word of God. Understanding the word of God that makes you know that you are a sinner. And you are a sinner because you inherited this sin nature for your great-grandfathers who disobeyed God from the very beginning. And because of this nature of sin in you, that is why you do the things you do. That is why you think the way you do. And that is why you have the bad motives that you have. And that is why you yearn for a better life and yet you cannot have it and you don't understand how. Just like how the wind blows where it feels like going. That is how when you hear the word of God and you believe it and you act on it. The Holy Spirit changes something in you. It's like you become, the, the word is, is a 
seed. The word is like the physical sperm that enters a woman's womb and fertilizes the egg. When this spiritual sperm enters into your being, your spirit being, your spirit together with the Holy Spirit become one. They live in union with one another. Something supernatural, something spiritual takes place and you become a new person. Your spirit that was dead, that was separated from God and away from God becomes alive. You cannot understand how it happens. Just like how the wind blows where it chooses to go. That is how it is like with someone who is born again. And once you get born again and this seed is implanted in you, you must begin to grow. The Holy Spirit will move you and direct you as he chooses. But for your own good. Many of us are born again, but have remained put. We don't drink spiritual milk. We don't eat food. We are not fasting, but we are starving. And we are dying. And even though we've been born again, we've been in the church for some time, it's like you don't see any difference between you and your friends who are not born again. And you yourself, you're becoming disillusioned. Am I born again at all? No wonder sometimes when we make the altar count, some people get confused and they just keep coming and coming and coming. It's because we are not growing. The scriptures say that when you are born again, you are born by the will of the Father. God's choice. And when you are born of him, he becomes your father. Allow God to father you. Allow him to take care of you. Allow him to show you the ways and the mysteries of life that you begin to grow. Very soon we'll be going for camp. And some of you are looking forward to camp. As if camp is an event. And some of you are crying because you may miss camp. You don't have to wait for camp for a spiritual stirring. I've said this over and over again. Some of you grow to this level at camp because of all the things that you experience. Then you don't eat, you start growing to become a dwarf again. And by the time you are here, you are waiting for camp for a spiritual revolution that will bring you up again. And then when you are brought up, you are so excited, you don't think about someone who is taller than you. And then you start, you start doing the wrong things, you stop doing the right things and keep going down and down and down again. And then you wait for another camp. Oh, when is camp coming again? The Bible says, at a time when you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to come and teach you the rudiments again. When you grow to that level at camp, move to school with that level, grow in that level, and become a camp center for those around you that they will see you and desire more of God. And as you do that yourself, you are growing more and more and more. We must Grow. We, we, you see, there are some things 
I don't know. I don't know how to get this point across to us properly. When we don't allow the word, the word, and it's only the word that, that can change us. It's not prophecy. It's not anointing oil. It's not laying on of hands. It's not falling under the anointing. All these things are good. They are all part of the package that God brings our way. But it is the word that changes us. Many of you have heard this my story before. How when I was a young man, I was quite worldly. I mean, we used to fornicate and do all those kind of stuff. This is, when you talk about these things, it's, it's not news anymore. Because even in the church, it's happening. It's sad to hear. It's an abomination. Paul calls it an abomination to the Corinthians. People sleeping with their father's concubines. Sleeping with your classmates, doing all kinds of things left and right. And you think it's normal because your friends are doing it. When we were younger, it wasn't that common. But we still had it. It was, there were still scandals like that in the church. Today, it's, it's so common. Even pastors, it's, it's sad. But I remember I, I was so used to fornication, I didn't see how it was possible to live without fornication. And that's how the world thinks. And that's how the world is forcing us to think. You cannot be a Christian and live without sex. You cannot be a Christian and live without a boyfriend or a girlfriend or without going out with anybody of the opposite sex. Now the new agenda is to add that you cannot even go out if you cannot be a Christian and not go out with people of the same sex. And unfortunately, because we are not allowing the word to get into us and to change us, we are believing such trash. Some of you yesterday you were watching pornography. Some of you masturbated yesterday night. Some of you even this morning. I'm not condemning you. I'm just making you think about how the world is molding you and decide to follow Jesus not to follow the world. I mean, I used to live a life of fornication. I didn't see how it was possible to live without fornication. And I'd come to believe the word of God. I was born again. I was a baby. I didn't know how to grow, but I was trying. So here I was, torn between two lives, which I believed, I believed in all the two. I believed that this new life was a real deal. It was a real life. And I should follow it. And I said in my heart, I am absolutely determined to follow the Jesus Christ all the days of my life. Like some of you declare similar things at camp. I won't go back again. This time I won't cheat again in exams. All my boyfriends, I don't have anything to do with them again. No more girlfriends. Now I'm going all out for Jesus. I mean, my prayer life must change. You start coming for Monday meetings. Every retreat you are here. If you don't have prayer meetings, you ask, when are you organizing the next prayer meeting? When are you organizing the next retreat? But meanwhile, you are still struggling with your own life like I did. So in my confusion and chaos, I came to God on my knees. And that is the kind of sincerity that God wants from us. For those of you who are still struggling to stop certain things, certain habits that you know are not right, open up to God on it. 
Don't pretend. He knows already. He knows. You have been lying and you think that nobody knows. And you come to church, you come and sing in the choir, you, are in the, you come and lead prayer, you come and do all those and you are pretending to be holy. Because you know that you have been lying and you, you cannot stop. You are trying hard to stop. You don't want to lie, but you keep lying. Some of us, it is stealing. You see your friend's shoe, you look left, you look right, nobody sees you, you pocket the thing. You want a phone, you cannot get it. Somebody's charging his phone in the, in the church, then you are timing the phone. When nobody's looking at before I realize, oh, it has been happening, you've caught a number of people like that in church. There was one time you even caught somebody at camp stealing phones. And the manner in which he was stealing the phones was, it was, hey, mobile. He pretended to be an usher. So when people are falling under the anointing, he goes to catch them. Before I know, he catch one phone. And by the time that he was caught, we caught him with six phones. You are saying, hey, what about your own? This morning, I want us to think about our own, our own attitudes that God is not happy with. So I went to God in prayer on my knees with a very genuine heart. And I told God, God, I like this new life. I am enjoying it. I want to grow in it. But fornication, I can't stop. I told God with that sincerity of heart. And I told God, so I will do it. And then when I do it, I learned in your word that when you, you sin, you can come and confess our sins and then you forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I said that prayer from my heart. And God had me. It didn't take too long for God to show me wisdom in the foolishness of my prayer. Some of us, the reason, the reason we keep struggling with some of the things that we struggle with is that we don't open up to anybody. You don't open up to God. You don't open up to facilitators. Facilitators don't open up to other facilitators. Facilitators don't open up to God because you think that you are a facilitator and everybody sees you in a certain light. How can you bring yourself low? Yesterday I was sharing something with Uncle Dennis. Even though I haven't given you all the details, I'm sure he was shocked at the things I said. Uncle Dennis, why don't you show when I told you what I told you? I didn't give him the details, but I, I was open up to him on something I was struggling with in a certain area of my life. Meanwhile, he, Uncle Dennis, who is a facilitator, looks up to me in that area of life. You need to get real about the challenges that you are facing. You cannot stop cheating in exams. When you see the girls, you feel like touching them. I mean, you, you, you don't want to do it, but something is pushing you. And before you realize, you have done it. And then, instead of going to open up to somebody or open up to God, you don't open up. Then you are saying, you don't want to do, oh God, this has helped me. 
Before I realize, you go and do it again. Then, oh, what is my hand? What is wrong with this? What is wrong with my head? Next week, you go and do it again. And it keeps happening and happening. Look, you need to get radical with God. I remember one facilitator shared the first about two or three years ago about how he used to struggle with masturbation. Very spiritual in church. I was struggling with masturbation. In his frustration and his aggression to stop this thing, there was one time he had to even uh, anoint his penis with anointing oil. You are laughing. You need to get aggressive with God. You need to bring him to every area of your life. God, I'm always angry with my friends. It's not nice. I go and witness with them the next time I insult them. A guy, a guy comes to tell you he likes you. I mean, he wants to go out with you, babe. And then you, you, you look at the person. You look at the person. I say, you look at the person from top to dust. Ah, you, you think you are my side. Come on, come on from here. And then later on yourself, you feel bad. You say, oh, why, why did I do it? And then you come to church and they say, ITCC. <laughs> go out and witness. And you go out and the first person you meet is this boy. Hey. How can you talk to him about Jesus? After you have given it to me, roll like that. <laughs> you need to open up in the areas of your life that when you read the word, God shows you that this is not my standard. Look, character formation, Christ life formation, is not easy. It doesn't come with laying on of hands. I cannot speak a word of prophecy over your, your life and all of a sudden, you are like Christ. It doesn't happen. I just told you about something I shared with Uncle Dennis just yesterday night about the struggle I was having. I've been a Christian for so many years. I have grown spiritually. I've taught people, I've helped people to grow, both young and old. And yet, I was still struggling. Paul says that he had something he was struggling with. And he prayed to God, God, take it away from me. And God says, he was, he was silent. He just told him, my grace is enough for you. Some of us, we take the grace of God for granted. We don't even ask for his grace. It is the grace of God that will help you to overcome. Some of us, the struggles that we have, we never bother to pray about them. We don't even talk about them. And the things are eating us up. I pray that this morning we we'll ask God to give us a spiritual revolution as we choose to open up our lives to him. And it's not just opening up your life. After opening up your life, there are things that we need to do 
Some of them are radical and some of them will cause us pain. To cause us persecution. It will cause us a rejection from our friends. Galatians chapter It's chapter 4, sorry. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Galatians 4, 19. Can you give me the King James, please? My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Paul was talking to the Galatians and was telling them how foolish they had become. And he was reminding them that when they were young, when they were babies, he had to travail. See, we are, we are too young to understand what it means to travel to give birth. I wish Auntie Elsie were here to just give us five minutes of traveling to give birth. They say, I mean, have you experienced some? They say it is painful. Who does that say yes? <laughs> it is painful. You sweat. You, you literally lie naked and you don't care. People around, you don't care. And they say you should push, and you push. And you're pushing, the baby is not coming. And you are in pain. But you don't give up. You travel. You go through pain. You labor. You work hard to push the baby out because that baby has a purpose. When you grow, you get there. And I pray that the boys, when your wives are going to give birth, you have the opportunity to be there. You respect women. You stop insulting your mother. Paul was reminding them, I travel again. Why do you give us such headache? In other words, it took prayer. It took hard work. It took pain. It took a lot of spiritual pushing for Christ to be formed in them. You are looking forward to camp. You know what goes into camp? 
You can't know the kind of prayer that people have to pray. You know the sacrifice that people have to make so you can enjoy camp and enjoy the spiritual revolution. And you go through that and you, you, you come out, you grow to this level. And then instead of growing beyond that, you start going back again. To that baby again. And then we have to travel and work hard all over again to bring you up. It is time to change. Don't allow your leaders to work in vain. Don't allow your peers, your friends who are helping you to work in vain. Determine to open up to the grace of God. Determine to open up your life to God. And determine to go all the way with Jesus, no matter what it takes. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for challenging us. Honestly, we don't understand everything. But one thing we realize is that when we hide from you, we don't see you. You call us to draw near to you and you will draw near to us. We must seek you and we will find you. You're always standing at the door of our heart and knocking and desiring that we open up to you. I pray, Father, that every one of us will open up to your word, would open up to your spirit, would open up to your grace and allow you to form yourself in us that will stand tall and continue this journey of spiritual growth, learning to become disciples of you. For that is the command that you have given us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. May we not only think about ourselves, but may we think about other people and bring them in to become disciples. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, you can do it better for Jesus. <laughs>